Thank you very much. We have different types of mitzvahs in the Torah. Some of the mitzvahs are to be fulfilled in the exact same way, whoever you are. And other mitzvahs depend on who the individual is. For example, uh, when a person has an obligation to eat matzah, so it does make a difference whether the Vilna Goin is eating the matzah or a plain balabas is eating the matzah. It has to be the exact same kind of matzah. And you eat a kazai's matzah and that's it. When you sit in the sukkah, it's the same din. Whether you're a wealthy man or a poor man, it's the exact same thing. Tefillin is the same as well. Then you have several other mitzvahs where the Torah says that it depends who the person is. For example, when we visit the Beis Hamikdash on Pesach Shavuot Sukkot on the Sholosh Regalim on Ra'il Regal, so the uh, Torah requires of every Jew to bring three korbanos: an Oil Asriya, a Shalmi Chagiga, and a Shalmi Simcha. So the pasuk comments, "Ish kimat nas yodoi, kivir kas Hashem alokecha shenosan loch." That it depends how much you can afford. If a person has a big family and he can afford to bring more korbanos, he is obligated to bring many olasriya and many shalmi chagiga. Shalmi chagiga depends on how many people in the family, how many people are going to eat. Olasriya depends how much he can afford. If you have a wealthy person, just going to bring the bare minimum, so he's not really in fulfillment of the mitzvah. The Torah says, The same thing regarding tzedakah. Uh, 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 if a poor man gives a hundred dollars, so that's very nice in his part, and he's yet to the mitzvah of tzedakah. A person is a multi-billionaire, so he's going to give a hundred dollars, so he's not yet to the mitzvah. It's not the same as tefillin, not the same as matzah, that everybody fulfills the mitzvah in the exact same way. Same is true regarding the mitzvah of Talmud Torah as well, that if a person who is, is blessed with a, a better head, and he has more time on his hands, he has an obligation to learn more. This fellow learns his daf every day, and we say that's gewaldic, we applaud him, that's uh, marvelous. But another fellow, if, if, if he's retired and he has more time on his hands and he has a better head, so he's not yet if he's just going to learn one blot gemara a year. In fact, when the Lublin Roth first instituted uh, the Daf Yomi, many Hasidish Rebbes were opposed to the institution because their Hasidim were learning, their Balabatim were learning more than one blot gemara a day. So they thought this was going to kill learning. At the time, they thought this was going to be the greatest disaster for the Jewish people, that their people were learning more than a blot gemara a day. I remember years ago there was a seam on the Dafyami and one of the uh, on, on Seder Noshim. Uh, we were on vacation in the mountains at that time. So there was a Chsidish rabbi, uh, Rabbi Stein, the Faltachana from uh, Bensonhurst. So he was spending the summer in Tannersville. So he spoke on the occasion of the seam of Seder Noshim. So he said he remembered he was a teenager. He was learning in the Lublini Yeshiva and, and the Lublini Rav told the Bochum they should come to the uh, big uh, convention that the Aguda was going to have. He was going to announce this big thing with the Dafyaymi. So he was there as a teenager. He heard him announce it. And then going back home, he couldn't afford to go back by horse and buggy. So he had hitch a ride. So it took him much longer than the Lublini Rav got back home to Lublin quicker than he did. So this uh, Bochum had to stay over Shabbos in a, in a Chesidish village. Then he had to hitch a ride as he was uh, each each stage of the way. So he says he was in this Hasidish village. So by Shalashudah's time, the Rebbe was attacking the Dafyami. The Hasidish Rebbe was at, they had just announced it at the Aknesi Agdailo, so the Rebbe was already attacking it. So you overheard the way the Hasidim were talking to each other. And they said, What's the Dafyami? What is he talking about? So he said, It's a new safer that the Lublina Rav put out. So, so what's wrong with it? What's wrong? So one of the chassidim says, I saw it with my own eyes, it has apikursus on every page. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but the chassidish rebbe's, many of them were opposed to the dafyami at that time. They felt that the chassidim were learning more. There was no television, there was no entertainment then, there was no theater. So what are they going to do? So they said, they didn't work so hard, they couldn't wear, there was nothing to earn anyway. 
there was no parnasa anyway. So they used to sit a couple of hours in the base medrash and, and sit and learn. They, they, they learned more than one blot gemara. So the din is regarding tzedak and regarding uh, Talmud Torah that not everybody has the same obligation b'shavah. Whoever has more time on his hands, whoever has a better head, whoever can absorb more learning, is not yaitzei with the bare minimum. If you just learn a mishnah a day, you're not going to be yaitzei. So tzedak is one of those obligations that it depends on uh, how much the person can afford that he should be able to fulfill the mitzvah. Has to be, of course, within reason. The Gemara has a principle. Uh, the Gemara gives you a, an exaggerated case about uh, two people who are traveling in the desert, and uh, one of them has a canteen of water, and if he drinks the water, he'll survive, and the other one doesn't have any water, so the other guy's never going to die. So there is a dispute among the Tanoim. What do you do? So one opinion of the one opinion Ben Petura. Uh, not a, a common name in the Gemara. So Ben Ptur is of the opinion that the one who has the canteen of water is not allowed to drink all the water himself because he's going to, by his drinking the water, he's going to cause the other one to die. So he thinks that they have to split the water in half and they're both going to die. They should both die. And Rebbe Kiva says that that's ridiculous. Why should I die? I have a canteen of water. My life is not the Sakana. So Rebbe Kiva Paskin against Ben Ptur, and that's the accepted opinion that based on the Pasuk that describes the mitzvah as you should see to it that the other people live along with you so Rekiva understands for the word your, your life takes precedence to the other one's life so that principle of is taken by the Rishonim in a general sense it doesn't only mean my life takes precedence to the other person's life it means all of the obligations only begin after I've taken care of my own needs I'm not obligated to take care of other people's needs before I take care of my own needs. First, I take care of my own. Let's say the din is that you have to pay your workers I have salaried employees and I have to pay them on the same day. So that's only if I have enough money to pay them. But let's say I need money to reinvest it in the business. If I'm going to keep on paying all the employees every day on time, so I'll never be able to advance the business. I won't be able to expand. So it says in the Shulchan Aruch that strictly speaking, uh, the din of uh, doesn't apply in such, a, in such an instance the workers may not want to continue working for me so I have to make a chesh I have to ask them in advance uh, but strictly speaking the mitzvah doesn't apply because I have to take care of my own needs first before I have the obligation to take care of everybody else's needs same is true regarding tzedakah let's say you're going to come to the daven by the Kaisal Marav so you have a hundred people lined up over there so you never get to daven <laughs> Everyone wants an adobe. You get this one adobe that comes Purim. Sometimes you have a hundred people come to your home. See, to give every single person who comes. So the Ramam writes, it's not permissible to turn anyone away if they're collecting for themselves. If they're collecting for an institution, then you have a toivus or not. You, you, you're not interested in supporting the satme yeshiva. You want to support the yeshiva takoso. You want to support the kamer yavna, whatever. That's not your uh, cup of tea. You're not mechuyev to give to every institution but to an Ani who's collecting for himself. So then the Ramam says, you're not permitted to turn them away without giving something. He quotes the Pasuk from Nishli, You're not allowed to turn away the poor man without giving him some dough. You're not obligated to give him, let's say, uh, he's a different kind of a person. He's a Satmara, so let the Satmara support him. So you, say, yes, you give him a dollar, you give him a nickel, you give him a quarter, you have to give him something. You can't turn him away without giving something. But the Shail is even, even giving him something they won't give you a chance to daven at all. You go, you go to the Kaisal Marav, you, you just spend uh, two hours telling us it's stuck. It, it can take forever. So the Pashtas is that you're not obligated to, to you have to give stuck, uh, 
but it has to be within reason. You're not mechuyev to spend so much time uh, giving uh, giving the tzedakah. They have in the collection of stories from the Stipala. Stipala was the brother-in-law of the Chazanish. He married the Chazanish's sister. Chazanish had, that, I think, uh, 13 children. In the f- he was one of 13 children. So he had all of his brothers and sisters. All of his brothers were uh, Rabbanim. And all of his sisters were married to Talmud HaChachamim and Rabbanim. They were very, so very blessed family. His father was a rabbi also in Europe. And they were all uh, interesting uh, personalities. So the stipler uh, passed away a few years ago. So one of his, about 20 years ago, I think. So one of the um, Rabbanim who was very close to him for over 40 years by the name of Horowitz. He himself happens to be a brother-in-law of Shlomo Zalman Auerbach. So this Horowitz put out four volumes so far of uh, recollections of different psokim and different stories that he heard from Stipler. So this is one of them. He once asked the Stipler, he comes sometimes to the Kaisal and they have uh, 50 people standing there to take uh, money. I'm going to give every person. So the Stipler said the first time he encountered the Shaila was he used to live in a little village in Europe, probably a horror Stipler. That's why he's known as a Stipler. And then when he came to Vilna, the big city, so he said there were lines of Aniyim lined up, uh, 50 Aniyim. He didn't have so much money to tell us. So he wanted to know what is he mukhif to do? Is he mukhif to, is it, should he give each one a penny? Or should he give the first ten people a nickel or a dime, whatever, and call it quits and shine? What should he do? So he asked Abchai Moiza. Abchai Moiza was the rabbi in Vilna at the time. So Abchai Moiza told him, I had the same Shaila when I was appointed the rabbi in Vilna. He says, when I was the rabbi in a little village previously, so every day he would say good morning to all the Balabatim. Then when he came to Vilna, <laughs> he says the first day he was there, he decided he's going to act like a like a nice person and say good morning to all the Balabatim. He said, it took all day long to say good morning to all the Balabatim. It's not Shaya. He spent the whole day greeting all the Balabatim. So he realized that uh, you can't spend all day uh, greeting all the people. So he thought that it's the same regarding the Tzedakah. That one is not obligated to give Tzedakah it's going to be, if it's going to be detrimental to his own functioning. He won't be able to function. The Allah says one is not permitted to give away all of his money to Tzedakah. The Gemara learns that from a Pasuk in the end of Chumash Vayikra. Even if you're donating all the money to the Beis Hamikdash, also not permissible to give everything away. Uh, the Pasuk says you give some of your uh, mass assets. You don't give everything away to, to Tzedakah. Uh, the Rambam has one of his famous letters is the Geris Teiman that he sent to the Jewish community in Teiman there was a crackpot who cracked himself up to be the Melech HaMashiach and uh, the people were wondering is he really authentic so they sent a shayla to the Rambam that he should psychoanalyze this guy long distance without ever having met him so the Rambam says what do you mean of course he's not the Melech HaMashiach so one of the indications that he he has a lot of sim on him that he's not the Melech HaMashiach. First of all, the doctor, the Melech HaMashiach has to appear in Eretz Yisrael, not in Chutzlo. It's a Pasuk and Navi. So forget it. The Melech HaMashiach can't appear. Uh, if, his, if his first declaration, if his first uh, revelation, if he reveals himself as the Melech HaMashiach, so he said, the Ramam says, it's beyond doing that. He's not the Melech HaMashiach. It's a Pasuk and Navi. He's going to reveal himself in Eretz Yisrael. There are groups here in America who think that certain people in America are... Uh, the Rambam says that it's just not so. He quotes uh, Anovi, Pasuk Then he says a lot of other indications that the guys are Meshuganists. So one of them is this fellow is encouraging everybody to give away all of their assets to charity. So he says that's not proper. That's not permissible. It's against the halacha. The Melech HaMashiach is not going to encourage the people to violate the halacha. The halacha says you give some of your assets. You don't give all of your assets. Now the Gemara says there's a minimum amount of money 
that one has to give uh, once a year, every year, if you don't give that amount of money, is simply not in fulfillment of the mitzvah of Zdokah. That amount of money is shlishes ha-shekel, a third of a shekel. Not a machtes ha-shekel, less than that, shlishes ha-shekel. Uh, this morning we were making a quick uh, calculation as to how much is machtes ha-shekel, so I think it turned out that it's $2.10, uh, a little less than $2.10. Someone made a whole calculation, depending on the... On the uh, on the value of uh, silver. Depends how much silver is worth. So, Shlishis HaShekel is less than that. So, if a person uh, gives $2 every year to Tzedakah, that's the minimum. If you give less than $2, you're not yet. So, let's say a person is absolutely poor and only Vyavya. So, he has to rob a bank or, or he has to borrow money. He has to do something in order to be able to fulfill a mitzvah Tzedakah. The poor people also have an obligation to give Tzedakah. Now, the question is, what about more than $2 a year? So if a person can afford it, he's not yet by giving $2 a year. That's the minimum. So the Pashtas says, let's say a person is a student. He's learning in the yeshiva, he's learning in the kerbal. A person is married and he has a job and he just, not everybody, uh, not everybody can afford to give so much money for the doctor. Some people can't afford You have a big family, you have to pay tuition and you can't afford to give the doctor. So the din is you have to see to it that you give your shlishas hashekel your dollar fifty, whatever, whatever, uh, whatever it happens to be, the shlishes hashekel, and more than that, you're not obligated to give. If a, if a per, the rabbis assessed the situation, and they said that usually meisek sofim is the recommended amount that mistama everyone will be able to afford, but there are some people who simply cannot afford to give the meisek sofim. So if they can't afford, they're not obligated to give. Um, it's interesting. The shach and Yeridei, the shach lived in Vilna. So he writes that the minig was in Vilna that the Gaboim went around with a pushkit to collect stoke only on Monday and Thursday mornings. They didn't go in the evenings and they didn't go the rest of the week. What is that based on? If it's a bigger mitzvah to give stoke on Monday and Thursday than the rest of the week, so he thinks that's not. He thinks that the smallest coin that they had, like in America, the smallest coin is a penny. So whatever the coin was that they had, so if you'll collect twice a week, the smallest coin, the person will give the smallest coin that's available, so that will add up to slightly more than than a dollar fifty. That'll add up to slightly more than the shlishis hashekel. That's the bare minimum. That if you don't give that amount, it's simply not yaitz. So he's guessing. He's trying to reconstruct. He thinks that maybe that's the reason why the gaboy only collected stoke, uh in chakras on Monday or Thursday mornings. That uh, whoever would give the smallest coin that they had available in Vilna at that time would be in fulfillment of this uh, bare minimum uh, of the obligation of giving the shlisha sashek. If a person can afford it, so he's really obligated to give maisek uh, sofim. And then uh, the Gemara points out that the... Where, do, where does this institution of maisek sofim come from? So it's based on the Pasuk, when Yaakov Avina was running away from Esau, so he promises HaKadosh Baruch Hu that whatever money he will earn, kol li, I will certainly give my sexophim to Tzedakah. So the Gemara points out, but it says, Aser Asrenu twice, a Kefaloshan. So it means I'll give my son, I'll give another my son, I'll give one tenth and another tenth. The two tenths is one fifth. So which is it? Are you supposed to give one tenth of your assets or, your, or um, the additional earnings this year? Let's say when I get married, so they gave me Chasana Matana. So the practices, there are three different opinions regarding my sexophim. There is a, an obscure opinion that Maisek Sofim is a biblical obligation. There is such a Shita Saraivit. It's a Dimanatar, it's learned that from a different Posik. 
Uh, so the Sifrei comment on the Pasuk it's written twice so it refers to Maisek Sofen you have to give one tenth of your earnings to Tzedok that uh, Tesis and Tainus quotes that from the Sifrei we assume that this is only an Asmachte that's not the accepted opinion to say that Maisek Sofen is a Diminator then uh, there's another popular opinion that's already more uh, widespread that Maisek Sofen is a Din Midirabonah that's not really the accepted opinion either. The more accepted opinion is that we assume the Maisek Sofim is a minhog. And that's why it's a recommended minhog. If a person can afford it, it's like a beautiful idea to, that one should give uh, Maisek Sofim. You're not obligated to give Maisek Sofim on, on the amount of money that's, that's withheld by the federal government for uh, taxes. That's considered as if you never earned it. But uh, on, the, on the rest of your paycheck that, uh, that's not withheld, let's say if they put away uh, pension money, so I earned the money, I decided to invest it. So that's my decision, that's my investment. Or uh, health insurance, so that's, my, that's an investment of mine. I'm taking out health insurance or whatever other insurance I have. So that's, uh, that's an expenditure that I have. Uh, withholding tax is considered as if I never earned it. So um, the um, Gemara points out that because the expression appears twice when Yankov Avina is running away from Esau, he says, <laughs> Aser Asrenu, I will, uh, I will give twice Meiser. The Gemara says it speaks about one-fifth. So again, uh, the, uh, the generally accepted opinion regarding Meiser Ksofim is that it's neither a biblical din nor is it a rabbinical din, it's a minig. It's a beautiful minig, a minig toif. But uh, it's a minig that each person accepts. It's a recommended minig. It's not that a minig hakihila, that everyone is obligated to accept a minig. Each and every person should adopt such a minik. So if the first time a person gives my him, he has in mind, or he says, so that it won't be uh, obligatory. So the post can recommend, no, in Europe, the Jews didn't have so much money. So even if a person uh, had one good year that he, that he gives my him, it doesn't necessarily mean that the next year he'll be able, he'll be able to give my success. So that's why the post can recommend that one should say, the first time that he gives my him, he should say, so it won't, uh, strictly speaking, won't be obligatory. It's interesting, it says in Shulchan Aruch, that there is an argument between Rashi and Tosis when you wash your hands for bread, or you wash in the morning, when you wake up, how far do you have to wash? So we paskin really up until the knuckles. But Rashi's opinion is that, uh, Tosis says up until the knuckles, but, but Rashi's opinion is supposed to wash till the, till the wrist. So we're machma like Rashi, why not? Uh, we have water. It doesn't cost so much uh, for the water over here. It's not like in Europe, uh, you have to pay money for a bucket of water. You turn on the faucet and you waste all the water here. So we're machma like, uh, like that. According to Rashi, when the Kohanim Duchen is supposed to wash the hands till the elbow. So obviously we don't follow Rashi's opinion. Tosis sheet is when you wash for bread, you wash till the uh, knuckles, and when you wash, when, when you want a Duchen, say so wash till the wrist. A lot of Kohanim don't wash till the wrist. That's Taka not right. A lot of Kohanim, you see that they have their watch all the way over here, so obviously they're not washing till the wrist. So that's not right. The Kohanim, either, either they wash till the elbows, like Rashi, or if you want to follow the opinion that's accepted, they're supposed to wash all the way till the wrist. But when you wash, when you wake up in the morning, so strictly speaking, you only have to wash till the knuckles. So our minig is, when Machma like Rashi, you wash till the wrist. And Shulchan Aruch, it says that the first time before your bar mitzvah, the first time uh, you wash up until your wrist, you should have a mind neder, so it shouldn't be binding. So when it comes to Tisha Yom Kippur, you're not going to wash till the wrist. You're only going to wash till the knuckles. We don't say Bolinera the first time because that's built in when we're little children and it teaches kids to Shulchanah so they tell us Tisha B'Av Yom Kippur you wash till here and the rest of the year you wash till here we don't know the reason why it just says and the kids are like that so we know that, that that's what we're going to do so it's not necessary for us to say Bolinera 
But uh, that's, the pra- that's the practice that the Paschim recommend. Whenever a person is adapting, that's a person going to start learning Daf Yomi or gets carried away. So he's going to learn Daf Yomi, he should say Beli Make sure that they, you don't, you don't say Beli it may be a minic type, it may be binding with Tam so you're going to get stuck. What if you won't be able to continue uh, with the Daf Yomi? So that's what the Paschim say here, that uh, we really, it's out of the question, we don't accept the opinion that Maisek Safim is a biblical requirement. We don't even accept the opinion that it's a rabbinically required. We assume that it's a minhag, and it doesn't mean that it's a minhag kehila, and it's binding automatically on everybody in the kehila. We assume that it's a private, personal minhag that's recommended, and uh, the person should, should say Belineta the first time he gives the Maisek Safim. So again, so, the, so there is a problem over here. Um, Based on the same passage, the Gemara says you should give Maiser, but then the Gemara says it says Aser Asrenu, he's going to give twice Maiser, so twice Maiser is Chomish. So that's one fifth. So which is it? Is it is it um, is it ten percent or is it twenty percent? So the Gemara in in Ksubis says on Dafnun that twenty percent is the maximum. You're not permitted to give more than twenty percent. We recommend that everyone should give ten percent if they can afford it. And 20% is the maximum. The Raman quotes, however, from the Talmud Yerushalmi that it's not 100% uh, so. That the obligation is only to give 10% and the 20% is the, is the maximum. You're not allowed to give more than that. Sometimes we recommend that a person should give 20%. So when is that? It means if there are many anim, if everybody's knocking on your door. And there are many, many causes and they're all valid causes. So then if a person can afford it, so we really recommend that he should give uh, the 20%. And even the prohibition against giving more than 20%, the Shita Mukubetz's comments are not Gemara in, uh, in Ksubis, that the reason the Gemara gives that one is not permitted to give more than 20% is Shema Yeyoni, lest I, will be, I myself will become poor. I'll have to go take stocker. So it doesn't make sense. What am I going to give so much stocker that I myself am going to go broke? So I'll become an Ani. That's ridiculous. So this reasoning only applies if you're giving your more than 20% to the poor. If you're giving Tzedakah Lanim. What if you're giving Tzedakah to support Torah? To support Yeshivas? So then this rationale doesn't apply. If you're giving Tzedakah to Anim, so it doesn't make sense to take care of the problem of poverty over there if the poverty is going to be over here. So I'm just shifting the problem... Uh, from them, instead of them being poor, me being uh, wealthy, so I should become poor. So that's nonsensical. But if I'm supporting Torah, it's not uh, the consideration of Shema Yeyani. The Yitzhak Labriyas doesn't apply. So that's what uh, several Rishonim say like that. They say that uh, the limitation, the maximum, that you're not allowed to give more than Chomish, uh, only applies if all of the money that you're giving is given to Anim, Tzedakal Anim. But if you're giving it to, to support Torah, then that limitation doesn't apply. The Balatanya also has a limitation in, in, his, uh, in the Tanya. Um, which some of the later posts can quote from the Balatanya, it's interesting. Uh, the din is this limitation, that one should not spend more than 20% of his total assets, is not only uh, applicable with respect to tzedakah, it applies to spending money for a sukkah, spending money for an esrog, let's say someone for some reason or another is in Alaska, and it's there of sukkahs, and there's no uh, swarm store where they're selling dalaminim. So what's he going to do? He has a mitzvah to shake a lulav on the first day sukkah. So, uh, what, what's he going to do? So, he can blow in all of his uh, life savings and get a ticket to go quickly to Seattle uh, before Yontif and he'll be able to uh, have them uh, FedEx a lulav and Asrig over from Seattle to, to Alaska 
and he'll be able to have it in time for uh, for Benjamin uh, Esrig. Uh, <coughs> the shayla is how much money is he obligated to spend in order to be able to fulfill a mitzvah? Or let's say uh, he's somewhere where there's no sukkah, and he has to he has to get material to make a sukkah. Has to make a sukkah. How much money is one obligated to spend? What's the maximum you're obligated to spend in order to fulfill any given mitzvah? So it says the accept, accepted opinion of Shulchan is never obligated to spend more than one fifth of your total savings, of your total assets, to fulfill um, any mitzvah. So the Balatanya writes, that's interesting, Doctor. So let's say a person is deathly sick, Rahman al Islam. And the doctor says, uh, we can treat you. Rahman al Islam has a serious uh, sickness. We'll treat you, but it'll cost you $20 million. So he says, well, I don't have so much money. Not Mechuyiv. <laughs> what do you mean, not <laughs> That's a shtuf, not mechuyiv. A person is not, not obligated to spend. The Pasik says, you don't need a Pasik, but the Pasik in Eev says, A person gives his last penny to save his life. So what if a person knows that he's a sinner? Some of us know that we sin once in a while. Some people talk Hashnar, some people uh, cheat on income tax. Some people do all kinds of Averas, very based. So if a person knows that he did an Avera, and he wants a Kapora, and he wants to give tzedakah, tzedakah tatsam limavis. He wants to give tzedakah in order to serve as a kapara for, his, for the averis that he knows that he's doing, that he has done. Not tam chalaymis. He knows that he needs kapara. So the Balatanya thinks that if he's giving the tzedakah for the purpose of saving his skin, with tzedakah tatsam limavis, then he thinks that the limitation of chomish doesn't apply. He thinks that one is permitted to give, maybe even obligated to give, more than 20%. He should just be careful. He shouldn't go broke. The ten percent with the twenty percent. This is all on the understanding that a person is making a normal living. That a person is making billions of dollars. So he's allowed to give more than twenty percent. He can give more than fifty percent also. If he's rolling in dough, I teach in YU, so I I, uh, I give way more than twenty percent. <laughs> I give way more than uh, much more than twenty percent. Um, there is a, um, an attitude that one has to have when giving the tzedakah. The Mishnah tells us in Pirkei Ovis, when you give the charity to the poor, you should visualize as if you're dividing up the Rebbein Shalom's assets. Because you and all of your money belong to God. That's what David Amalach writes in Sefer Tilim. All the money belongs to God and we're just giving him back uh, the money that he gave us. In other words, we should have the attitude that we're only apotropsim, as if we're just um, taking care of someone else's money. It's, it's, it is our money. No one else is allowed to steal our money. But the attitude we should have when it comes to giving stalkers should be, we should feel as if we're apotropsim on the money and we are not the Balabatim to decide what we want to do with the money. There are rules and regulations how the Apotropos is supposed to dispense with the money that, uh, that he's in charge of. Uh, the Mishnah has an interesting comment and in, in also in Pirkei Ovis, in the first parak in Pirkei Ovis. There are three things that keep the world going. So Abchaim Valojana has a fascinating comment over there. He says that the avoida hakrovas hakarbonus could be however a person sees fit. He can bring karbonus whenever he wants, whatever he wants, no regulations. And gemilas chasadim also. Let's say in the bank, if they charge, uh, I don't know, ten percent interest, fifteen percent interest. Let's say the bank charges you on any loan fifteen percent interest, and you plead with me that I should do you a favor, I should lend you money 
8% interest. I'm doing you a taifa. You're pleading with me and I'm giving you less than half. Uh, let's say 7%, less than half. The bank is taking 15%. I lend you 7% interest. So I'm doing you a favor. This is quite a matan That would have been an act of milas chasot. But after Matan Torah, so the halacha says, even if you're pleading with me, I should do you a favor, that's a violation of ribis, that's an isa minatar, you're not permitted to. So the avoida, the karbonus, after Matan Torah, have to be in accordance with the rules and regulations laid down on the Chumash Vayikra. And the Gemilas Chasadim has to be in accordance with the rules and regulations of the Torah. So the three, the Torah, the avoida, the Gemilas Chasadim are no longer three independent amudim, on which the world, uh, these three are the pillars of the world, the Avaidah with the Milas Chasadim have to be in accordance with the Torah. After Matan Torah, has to be in accordance with the rules and regulations of the Torah. So the Halacha does give, the Shulchan Aruch, based on the Gemara, is based on the Pesukim Mechumish, the Halacha does give rules and regulations about Kedimus. Um, if I have so much money to give to Dukkah, I first have to figure out how much I can afford. So if I really can't afford, then I have to give the dollar fifty. And I have to somehow shnar a dollar fifty in order to be able to fulfill a mitzvah tzedakah once a year, every year. The shlishes are shekel. If you can afford more, so you have to give more. Whoever can afford maizah should give maizah. If you can afford more, you should give more. If you can afford more than chaimish, you can give more than chaimish. I like to tell a story. I may have told it here. I was once uh, a, a while ago, must have been maybe uh, ten years ago. I was going by plane from uh, Los Angeles to New York to Eretz Yisrael. During intercession, my wife was going to get on in, in New York and we were going to go to Eretz Yisrael for intercession uh, to speak for the yeshiva. So before the plane took off from Los Angeles, so I see a young fellow walking. He must have been all the way in the front. I was never there. That, uh, the business section in the front. So he must have been in the business section. He walks to the back. He looked very familiar. didn't remember who he was. And he was wearing uh, sneakers without any socks. And he was wearing jeans. Uh, so he looked familiar. Didn't I? Didn't I? Couldn't place him. I didn't remember whether he's from New York or from California or from Eretzisov. So I didn't remember who he was. He must have gone to the men's room. And then when he was walking back, so he passes by. He says, "Hi, Reb. How are you, Shalmalech?" He was in my shir uh, 25 years before, uh, years years ago. So I say, "What do you do for a living? Where do you live? What do you do?" Doctor, he is a uh, um, an X-ray doctor. He's doctor in English, radiologist, and he used to live in uh, Los Angeles. And it's something like this, I used to make uh, two million dollars a year. Is that reasonable? He used to make two million dollars a year. <laughs> and he has a few children, whatever. And he decided to move to Eretz Yisrael, go on Aliyah. And he never, he bought an apartment in Savion, a poor section in Eretz Yisrael, apparently. And he says he only makes a half a million dollars a year and his wife can't get used to living in poverty. <laughs> I was going to take out a $10 bill. <laughs> Give him a donation. Never to buy a pair of socks. He can't <laughs> to buy a pair of jeans. So he says he's going to have to move back to Los Angeles to make a living. He can't make a panos. So there, uh, everything has to be uh, with the proper perspective. Uh, how much can you afford? And what are your needs? And how, uh, how, much, uh, how much are you obligated to give to stock? Someone uh, neutral, not uh, the people involved sometimes can't, uh, don't have a correct picture of uh, what life is like, but you have to ask an outsider uh, whether this uh, cry of poverty is within reason or not. So here, when it comes to Tzedakah, there are rules and regulations. We are not considered the Balabatim over our own money to decide, I want to donate my money to a dog hospital in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> you, you don't have the right to do that. There are rules and regulations. Who has the Kedima? I say that because my wife's boss, 
gave a lot of money to a dog hospital in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> so he gives money to Yeshiva University. He also gives to other, other institutions as well. But among others, he gives to dog hospitals. So there are rules and regulations. And we have to act as if we are apotropsum on the money. And it's God's money. We're just giving back uh, God's money. So, so let's say a lot of times people don't get along with their relatives. He'll give charity to the whole world but not to his own brother-in-law who's, who's starving. So that's against the din. Whether you get along with your brother-in-law, you don't get along with your cousins, your, your parents. You get along with your parents, you don't get along. The Allah says that family comes first. First, the aniyeh hamishpacha comes first. Then the neighbors come second. Then the Allah is aniyeh yircha. The aniyeh in your city come next. What do you mean aniyeh? Let's say I live in New York City. New York City, there's so many aniyeh. And if you take care of Aniyah Yircha, so, so there's no, there isn't a penny left to take care of anybody else. So what exactly does it mean? Maybe in Europe Aniyah Yircha meant something. There were five Aniyim in the city and trying to take care of the five Aniyim. How can you say Aniyah Yircha? So I think it's generally assumed Aniyah Yircha means the Aniyim that I have a Shaykhis with. So let's say Yeshivas also. I went to the, this Yeshiva. I went to Wayu since my Bar Mitzvah. So that's one Yeshiva. My children went to a few Yeshivas. So one, my children went to Broyas, and then when they went to Eretz Yisrael, they went to uh, Karen B'Yavna. And my son-in-law learned in, uh, whatever, in uh, Kol Torah. And another son-in-law learned in Miri Yeshiva. Another son-in-law learned over here and over there in Shalavim. So, so the Yeshivas that I have a Shaykhus with, so that's called Aniyah Yircho. The, the Yeshivas I have no Shaykhus with, that's Aniyah Yircheres. Aniyah Yircho doesn't only mean Yircho, it means that those I have a Shaykhus with. So let's say the Aniyim in my neighborhood, whom I know, the name I bump into. That's called Aniyircha, the shul that I daven in. There's so many shuls in New York City. I'm here to support all the shuls in New York. The shuls that I daven in, the shuls I have a shaykhus with. That's called Aniyircha. The yeshivas that I, that I have a shaykhus with. I attend, my children attend, my children and all, my grandchildren. So those yeshivas and those schools, that's called Aniyircha. Those I have no shaykhus with, that's called Aniyircha. So the din is that the, the first comes precedence to the Ani Hamishpacha, whether I like them or not, whether I get along with them or not. That's the din. Unless they're Rishoyim Apikurs, and we're not talking about the Mechalai Shabbos of the Avodizah. We're talking about the people we just don't get along. So the Allah says that family comes first, and then neighbors come next, and then the Allah says Ani Yircha come next. Then the Allah says once you're already, once you've already taken care of Ani Yircha, then the Allah says Ani Yeritzisol take precedence over Ani. Uh, other locations. Uh, that's what most of the overwhelming majority of the Postmen say, Aniyei Eretz Yisrael uh, do not take precedence, don't have the same status as Aniyei Yircha. First you have to take care of Aniyei Yircha and then you take care of Aniyei Eretz Yisrael afterwards. Of course it says in the commentaries on Shulchan Aruch, let's say the Aniyei Eretz Yisrael are mamish starving from hunger. They keep, uh, every week, I was just in Eretz Yisrael last week, so in the and then I was there so a few the month before the month before, I was in there so a few times. So when you uh, when you read the newspapers, almost every week and a half there's an article that says twenty percent of the Jews in Eretzel are below the poverty line. Then it says fourteen percent are below the poverty line. Then it says thirteen percent. There's no contradiction. Each one has a different definition of what's a poverty line. They're not contradicting each other. It's not true. There are people in Eretzel who moms don't have food to put on the table every day of the week. A couple of days of the week the moms don't have food. So if you have Aniyah Yircho, that we have Aniyim in New York City, they can't pay for their third automobile. <laughs> and Aniyah Yircho, Israel, or the Aniyah Yircho, they can't pay for their Shabbos shoes, or they're having a chasana. Um, we're making a, two chasana soon. My two children are engaged to be married, 
So we're buying shoes for the grandchildren of the Kavad Chasen. So you may have Ania Yircha, they have to buy shoes for the grandchildren for the wedding. That's one level of Ania Yircha. But you have Ania Yircha, they don't have food to put on the table. So it says you don't say Ania Yircha take precedence to the Ania Yircha. They only take precedence if you're talking about the same level of need. If, every, if everybody's starving for food. The Ania Yircha with Ania Yircha, they're all starving. They, they don't have food to put on the table every day of the week. So then you have to first take care of Ani Yircha, then you take care of Ani Yircha. But if the needs of the Ani Yircha are more fundamental, they're more basic. Not talking about Shabbos shoes or shoes for the chasana. They don't have food to put on the table, then the Ani Yircha uh, take precedence to the Ani Yircha. There's a famous word from the Vilna Gaon that he said, it's not, a lot of people, uh, a lot of people, whenever an Ani comes, they give him a $36 check. They give him a $100 check and shine that. So everybody gets the same amount. So that's not right. It's not right to give the same amount. What, all the institutions get a $100 check whether they have 2,000 students or they have 36 students. How can that be? You have to give the money proportionate to the need. If they have many more students, you have to you have to give them much more money. If you only have so much money, so you have to calculate. This yeshiva should get ten times as much as that yeshiva. Here they have thirty six students. The other one has uh, three hundred sixty students or three three thousand six hundred students. You have to give much more money to the institutions that uh, that need more. They have in this uh, book with all the stories about this typola. So they have on one occasion uh, a young man from Eretz was sent by this typola to go to America to collect for three different kolalim in Bnei Brak. And the stipler wrote letters for all three of the kodalim. So people were making out checks, uh, collecting money. So the stipler told the young man, when he comes back there to Seoul and he divides the money, he should not divide the money one-third, one-third, one-third. He should figure out how many students there are in each kodalim and divide the money accordingly. The kodalim that has more students should get more money. The kodalim that has less students gets more money. You have to give the money according to the, according to the need. It has to be with common sense. So they have the famous vote in the name of the only Goen, that it says, You should open up your hand, you shouldn't close your hand. So the Pashup Shad is, you should be kind, you should be uh, um, benevolent in giving stock. So they say a word from the Vilna Gaon, when you open up your hand, so the fingers are not the same length. When you close your hand, all the fingers are the same. So he says, You have to open your hand, and the fing- you'll see the fingers are not the same. Some people you should give more money, some people you should give less money. Some causes get more money, some causes get less money. You shouldn't close your hand, then all the fingers look like they're the same length. You're going to give everybody a $10 check, everybody gets a $100 check, that's not right. The duck has to be divided in a proper fashion, and according to the proper proportion. Um, there is a famous Gemara in uh, Megillah, where the Gemara quotes that they ask different Tanoim and Amaroim, they ask these, each one of them, they live to ripe old age, so they ask them, why do you think he was zeichet to such an arichas yam? So this one says he always was medaktik to daven with agartel. And this one says he always makbid to have wine for kiddush. Each one had another midas chasidus that he was makbid about. So there's a sefer, um, one of the early achreinim, one of the late rishonim, the sefer charedim, one of the early achreinim. He lived in Eretz Yisrael, I think in the 1500s, one of the early achreinim. So he writes, it would appear from that Gemara that in addition to everyone's obligation to fulfill all of the mitzvahs that come his way, you have to keep Shabbos and Kashrus and Taras HaMishpach and Stok and Sukkah and everything, and Talos and Tzilin. In addition to that, each person should pick his, have a pet project. He should have his favorite mitzvah. 
and he should be more medactic in that one, in that one mitzvah than in the other mitzvahs. This should be his mission in life. Each person should see to it that he should have a mission in life. He should be medactic. This one in the Gartland, this one in the Kiddush, the wine for Kiddush, and this one in Lashon Hara, whatever. Each one should have, not just to fulfill all of the mitzvahs to the same extent, each person should have his pet project. So the same is true in Tzedakah. Let's say a person lives here, and he, his son went to this yeshiva in Eretz Yisrael, and he wants to give major donations to that yeshiva, so that his son had a good year there, so he wants other children to have a good year there in Eretz Yisrael. So that's called, in a certain sense, that's called Ani Yircha. He wants to make that his project, that's going to be his pet project, fine. So he can, he can give, uh, out of proportion, he can give a lot more money to that institution, even though that institution has fewer students than Panavish, Panavish has several thousand, Lakewood has several thousand, and this institution where his child went to is a much smaller place. But as far as he's concerned, he's making that into Aniyayecha. He wants that to be his pet project. So I think that would be permissible, that would be okay. As long as it's not uh, out of proportion. I mean, if he has his pet project and they're going to have marble, uh, silver walls, they're going to have marble walls and silver walls. They're going to be have uh, golden chairs. It's a little ridiculous. So why not share the wealth? Give it, give it to the other people as well. But uh, place more emphasis on his favorite stock here. Uh, I don't think that that's a problem. That's also considered aniyah uh, yircha. Aniyah means the the cause that uh, that has shaykhus with you. Now the post can point out that in these rules of kedima that we say that. Uh, family comes first and neighbors come next and then Aniyah uh, come next and Aniyah Eretz take precedence of Aniyah other places so what does that mean family comes first I give all the money to the family there's nothing left that's it and then next come the neighbors next come Aniyah I give all the money to Aniyah there isn't a penny left to give to anybody else so the person can say that's not what it means when there's a Din Kedima that means a certain percentage if you don't have money to, to give to all of the causes she should give more money to the B'nei HaMishpacha than to the neighbors, give more money to the neighbors than to the, than to the Ani Ayyuch and so on, but you still have to give some money to the others as well. So this is a question exactly how much. So the classical poskim on the bottom of the page in Yeridea, they think that it's three quarters and one quarter. That if you have, let's say, people in the family who really need money, and people in the neighborhood need money, or other people in the city need money. So you shouldn't give all of your tzedakah to the mishpacha, and that's all. You should give the poskim on the page, say three quarters of the money that you have available, you should give to the b'nei mishpacha, and one quarter you should give to the next. And all of the kadimas, they say that it's three quarters and one quarter. Three quarters of the money should go to the first, to the one who has the kadima, and one quarter of the money should go to the next one. And then that one quarter, that should be divided again, three quarters should go to that level and the one quarter should go to the next one whatever the next uh, next notch is in the Seder HaKadimus now Moshe Feinstein in his Sefer has a different suggestion instead of three quarters and one quarters and one quarter he thinks that it should be two thirds and one third but it should be something like that either three quarters one quarter or two thirds and one third not that you should ignore all those on, on, the, on the bottom of the list in the Seder HaKadimus but they should get a little less of your money but again, the main idea is that um, when dividing the money for duck, a person may not, doesn't have the right to have the attitude that this is my money and I'm the balabas to decide to put the money wherever he wants. Has to be, he has to have the attitude that he's a, an apotropos on the money and he's supposed to follow roughly the rules and regulations. Hard to determine. He should follow roughly the rules and regulations that are given in the Gemara that are quoted in the Shulchan Aruch. 
let me just conclude. We live in a generation where there's really a major problem. As I say, every two weeks there is an article in the newspapers in Eretz Yisrael about how many people are below the poverty level in Eretz Yisrael. The Amish people who don't have food to put on the table. Um, this, in addition to the mitzvah of this is simply a chil Hashem. Uh, we believe that we are the Yam HaNivchar, and uh, the Christians deny that. They say that since we rejected uh, their God, so we lost our status of the Yam HaNivchar, they claim that they're the Yam HaNivchar. So how can we be the Yam HaNivchar if we have so many Jews who are so poor? This is the Yam HaNivchar. The people are starving from hunger. The Jews who live in Eretz Yisrael, the Eretz of Cheres, but the Yam HaNivchar, they're starving from hunger. They fast more than Montag and Donnerstag. This Mamash Achil Hashem for the Jewish people. So it's uh, really a time that uh, we have to get these people food. We have to get them uh, to figure out how to make a financial. We have to help them uh, figure out how to make something out of their lives. And uh, this season of the year is a special time to cover Purim that we have a special mitzvah to give Matan Eslavian. Thank you very much. Bakasha. Sure. I personally think it's terrible that people spend so much money on weddings. I think instead of uh, pouring so much money into a wedding one night, they should give the money to Mamish to Anim, they have Yonim and Eretzisol, and even if they're multi-billionaires and they're giving billions of dollars to Tzokas, give another half a billion dollars instead of pouring it down the drain for your wedding. Why should you waste so much money? I think it's terrible that people... Uh, that's why I told the story about this poor fellow who moved to Savyan. And, uh, I think halachically he should learn to... Uh, there's a din of uh, tznius. Tznius requires not only that the women should cover their hair down to here and have dresses down to there and down to there. Tznius means to lead uh, a life, a normal life, not to, not to advertise how wealthy a person is, not to stand out. A person should lead a normal life. We should get the whole community to lead a normal life without all the swimming pools and without all the expensive cars. Everyone should, uh, should just drive a car to the extent that it's necessary. And lead a, a normal sneezdika life. A sneezdika life means bitsina, not to, not to show off. But that's not normal. So we have to get the whole community to. <laughs> we have to get everybody to lead such a normal life. I think it's abnormal. I think this is abnormal. The description that you're giving me. I think normal is sneezdika. Uh, See, I live in Washington Heights. So some of the people there are excessively wealthy. But they all have very modest homes. Everybody dresses the same. The weekdays, everybody dresses the same. Shabbos. 
However, who has more money? Money, I don't know. But uh, you can't tell from their homes. How, uh, what is your obligation if someone comes to you and asks you for money? Do you, are you supposed to, in, before you give them, to check if he actually is as an army? Or you have to give everyone who comes to you and asks you? I'm poor him. you got to give everyone who comes no, to no, ask. All year time. long, all year long, if the fellas claims that he's starving, no, the people usually don't claim that this time. Okay. So it says if the fellow's coming from Mazinus for food, he says that he's starving, so there's ain't boy Kimla Mazinus. You know, you now have no right to say I'm going to first make an investigation and then see. But if he says he has food, he just needs a little more money for his business or whatever, then Allah says that you, you're not obligated to give until you check into it in advance. The thing is that who has time to check into it? So, uh, so we ought to check into it. So we ought to have uh, the rabbis of New York City should all get together, or the Jewish community should get together. Right? But the two dots just says whether it's legitimate or not. It says it doesn't say should it be ten dollars, a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. Doesn't say how much. Very, very poor. Mm-hmm. I have uh, one of my sons-in-law learned America's Harav in Eretz Yisrael so he said that yes Rabbi Ram Shapiro the former chief rabbi they asked him are they obligated to give the Shnaris who come every day to the yeshiva are they obligated to give them stuff so he said Rabbi Ram is a very uh, cheerful uh, person so he said it says in Shulchan Aruch that what's the definition of an ashir? Either a person who has 200 zoos in his bank account. 200 zoos means the amount of money that you need to live a whole year long for one year. Let's have a yes. I don't know. What would it be to live a whole year? $40,000. The koshi. $40,000. I don't know. Whatever it is. Or if you have a steady income. If you have a steady income, even though you don't have a penny in the bank, that's considered an ashir. Rabbi Rom said, these people have a steady income. <laughs> <laughs> he said, you don't have to give them anything. I think he's right.